0: Hello, everyone. Welcome. It's Julie Bates with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 177. And today I'm going to give a brief update and then answer a couple listener questions uh, that I could be just whole topics under themselves. So again, I'll make sure it's in the show notes so everybody knows whether they want to listen to this podcast or not. G-Update, any of you on the Facebook page, uh, saw so I finally posted her uh, in the upland field it's really been quite a while since I've done it but we had a she did uh, one of her beautiful points and then held for the whole time and and was very oh I mean it was just I was ecstatic and I'm and I what I didn't even have my phone out because was like oh gosh let's see what's happening now and and then she just goes on point and she just stays and doesn't move and and finally, I reach and find my my uh, phone buried in my pocket somewhere and get it out and get a nice picture face, a picture with the eyes and face. It's always nice to get pointing pictures where you can see the intensity in the face of the dog. But she had just whipped around and done a 180 and gone on point. And uh, so it was and I was just per, it was perfect at positioning and I got it. And then my beloved, beloved gunner missed it. <laughs> This is the Bird, and I'm sure she's sitting there going, "What? I thought I did everything right here." And so on the other one, the next one, I'll be honest, she went in there and kind of just bumped the thing up. She was—I don't know whether the not getting the retrieve had anything to do with that or not. It doesn't matter. He still got to point them all and behave. But anyway, so major progress. <clears throat> That's the first time she's done it on her own and done it right. So I think all of the other kind of work that I've been doing. A lot of handling. She runs four, five, six blinds every single day, different kinds and stuff, and believe that's helped the pointing most of all. So very happy. We are putting the package together for the springtime when when all of that starts, and so I'm just really pleased. And it's a beautiful picture. So if you're on the Facebook Training Retrievers uh, page, uh, go have a look at it because it's it's a real pretty thing. She's gonna be very very nice. As somebody had commented on there, she is a sturdy girl (laughs) and she is, she can also pull the trailer if you needed it. So she's, she's going to be very versatile. All right. And the other stuff, the marks and all that, everything's going fine. So I don't jam it down her throat and I have had some patience, but she's just barely over a year. So I'm real happy with everything. So the first question, but it's actually a compilation of several questions that I've gotten. And some of them are not even questions. <clears throat> they are statements made to me trying to explain something to me, which I would like to to address. So I've had several people in the last month or so now, you know, it's upland season, explain to me how their dog, when they are going hunting, upland hunting, whenever whether it's a club or whether it's wild bird somewhere. So they have to let their dog get out of the vehicle and run. And they need to let them run, and uh, as the pointer guys, I remember several saying to me, get the P and V out of them, and they have to let them run before they take them uh, into the upland field. And that way, they get some of the energy out of themselves, and they can actually have a little bit less, so they are a little more moderately behaved when they go in the upland field. And I do not, I have, in all my years of dogs, which is... You know, several uh, never ever ever had a dog that had to have that. As a matter of fact, there were a few where I thought, you know, I'm going to do this thing that I don't really agree with and let them go run. And I let them do it. And they come back and they're still the same. And so I just want to talk about this idea that people have that their dogs have a whole bunch of energy, you know, like a kid that had three candy bars and they have all this energy and until they can spend the physical energy then they're not going to be able to work with their dog. And I'm going to for the most part disagree with that because I don't think what the issue is with dogs that seem like kids after three candy bars is that they have too much physical energy. When you watch a dog. And you just observe, not on the looking for something in particular, when you just sit there and watch a dog in in any situation, what you are seeing, in my opinion, and by the way, this goes for us too, you and me, but when you are watching this dog and they're doing whatever it is they're doing physically, what you are getting is a complete mirror reflection of what is going on in their head. That's what you're doing. That's what you're seeing. That's kind of that way with people too, if you think about it. But so when you watch a dog that's just just bouncing up and down and vibrating and shaking and and going all over the place, and you think, oh my gosh, look at all that energy they have, you are seeing how their mind is operating, the kind of their thoughts. I'm not sure how their mind is compared to ours. I know it's not the same. But you know how for those of us or or those of you who you know, when you just are somewhere and then you think about what you did this morning and then what has to happen tomorrow and then what so-and-so said to you and then is that thing on the truck fixed yet and your your mind is all over the place? Your body always shows that. It always shows that. And if you are that way and you have that kind of way of processing in your head, then somebody going out and making you run five miles um, is not probably going to change that very much. It might, you know, have some small effect on it, but it isn't going to ever make that go away or be any different, or change the fact that you have rapid fire, a lot of thoughts. And it's that way with dogs. So when you see that with a dog, and you know, this is the thing where oh, I've just, oh, I've posted on this many times. I've talked about it a lot, where people just, you know, turn their dogs loose in the yard to fight and play and roll to spend some energy. Or they take them to my least favorite thing on the planet Earth with regard to dogs, the dog park. So we can just turn these guys loose and let them spend some of that energy. Thinking that, or daycare, people take them to doggy daycare so that they run around in every group and spend their energy. So when they bring them home at the end of the day, they're tired and probably literally are physically tired after eight hours of just wild craziness. So let's talk about what's really happening in these in these dogs. So when you have dogs who have a kind of ADHD thing in their head, when they have that where they're just kind of rapid fire, a lot of a new thought every second or two and a new change in body direction and position and what they're thinking and all that stuff. when, When you have that in an animal, that is very difficult, literally, on our animals that are working with us or that are pets with us or whatever. That's very difficult, like it is on humans. When humans, when the ADHD people, and again, I've got two kids that have to varying degrees that thing, and they're the ones that have really explained to me how hard it is just to be, just to be, just to sit in a classroom or to sit in a chair, just to sit for one thing, but then just to to remain seated and then focus on one thing in sequential logical thoughts, it's just almost impossible or it's impossible. And it's something very much like that with these dogs where they, they, they're just everything is just so frenetic and so wild and stuff. And so when we take that, and just say all right just run just exert your thoughts through your body all wild and crazy thinking that we are calming them down what we're doing is supporting and enhancing that kind of thought stuff so when their when their minds are kind of crazy and wild a little bit and we let them just release that through their body by being crazy and wild and running all over the place and tuning us out <clears throat> especially that part, tuning us out, completely disconnecting from us and running all over the place. When we do that, then we are supporting that. We are putting energy into the disconnect and into the uh, just unfettered activity with no thought to it, no focus, nothing. Nowhere in there does that dog have an opportunity to begin to develop the ability to hold a sustained thought for very long or to stay connected with us on a continuous basis. And so it's never going to get better, and you're always going to have to let them get the P and V out of them, and you're always going to have to do that because you're not doing anything to make that be a more manageable thing for the dog. Now, this is very true in training. When you are, it's just like a kid in a classroom. When you are training your dog to do, whether it's just routine, basic obedience, you're woe-breaking them. You know, you're teaching them to be steady on something. All the various things that we do, stay in gun right, all of those things. When you are in the classroom with these dogs, the only way that you can successfully teach them things is if you have their attention and it is on you. And that means that you are connected. And to teach something, even if you're doing it in a little short spurts like you have to do with some of these dogs, they have to stay on the task and stay connected with you for you know, at least a while so that they can get a new uh, set of neural paths starting to build in their head. It's the only way you teach things. And it's not enhanced. By letting them be wild and crazy and just let those wild synapses just go all over the place and go, all right, now they're ready to learn. No, now they're just really comfortable with the the non-linear, non-continuous thought process with the disconnection from you. We're teaching them to disconnect. I do not know in any competitive uh, daily life or hunting situation where the animal being disconnected from you is going to be a positive thing. I just don't see it. So this thing about we need to let them go out there and just blow the carbon out of the, you know, out of the cylinders here, it is not correct. I've never seen it, and the couple times I've tried it with dogs that were very ADHD, uh, it did nothing. It didn't help me at all, you know. And I thought, golly, that that kind of blows that whole theory out of the water for me. So. That is usually not the right thing to do, primarily because it's a complete disconnect from you. Again, there's nowhere that's useful to you. No one has ever been able to tell me someplace where they're being them being completely disconnected from their dog was advantageous. <laughs> Unless you were about to get eaten by a bear and the dog ran away from you and ignored you calling it and so he didn't get eaten. I guess right there's a place where it would be good. Other than that, not at all. So instead of the wild and crazy stuff, then it's if you want a dog that's going to go through the upland field or jump shooting ducks or whatever it is you're doing, first understand what is the nature of this thing you want to have with this dog? What is the nature of the the relationship between the two of you in this activity? It's a shared activity. Dogs work for us. The birds are ours, not theirs. They work for us and they work in a nice, meaningful way where we're not having to yell, scream, shock, do all kinds of stuff to get them to cooperate. We're supposed to go out and do whichever version of hunting we're doing as team members where you have your things that you do and the dog has their things that they do. To do that means that the dog understands that. Means that the dog has been taught, here's the deal. And this is how this works. And these are my expectations. And they've been taught what those things are. So, one, you have to have that in your mind and in the dog's mind. And when that's in their mind, then running off across the field, birds flying up across the road, bad things can happen. But instead of any of that, just the wildness, they're with you going, all hey, right, what exactly, what are we doing here? What, what kind of thing? Where do I need to be? They need to have that kind of thought on their mind. And the only way they can do that is if they're getting out of the vehicle when you've arrived and their attention and focus is on you and they are connected. And when you have, even the super high energy dogs, even the ones that could hunt for three straight hours, even the ones that have really high IQs and are smarter than most of the people they're around or the ones that have not very high IQs and aren't always aware of things that you need them to be, all of them are gonna be far more successful if that connection with you exists and they get out of their vehicle and the first thing they do, even before they air, is make sure they check with you and go, all right, do I sit down? Are you putting my stuff on? What are we doing? That kind of stuff is absolutely critical. So how do we get that? How do you how do you have that to start with? For one, whatever relationship you have with your dog is the relationship that you have with your dog. That's just, that's just it. It isn't like, unless you've taught them, okay, hunting, I'm going to put the electric collar on you, and I'm going to be embarrassed if you misbehave in front of everybody, and I'm going to punish you when you do stuff wrong. But other than that, in the world, nah, it doesn't matter. You're in the backyard. I don't care what you do. You can do whatever. And if you've taught them there's two different sets of things here, then you're going to have two different sets of things. But fundamentally, whether you're going to the vet, whether you're going to you know, Aunt Bertha's house, or whether you're going out hunting or whatever you're doing, the relationship you have with your dog is that. So if they get out at the field and just want to just take off running that is the relationship you have created it isn't that they need to do it that's just giving a just not taking responsibility for this animal that you have it and they're just they're just saying hey i don't there's no connection i kind of do whatever i want or more often than not they i haven't been taught what the expectation is no one has told me what i'm supposed to do So I just ad-lib and do whatever I want. Again, that's a complete disconnection. So this keeps coming back to your relationship and if you guys are together and on the same page or not. So to have that, to have that means you establish the relationship between you and your dog on a daily basis. It is most hopeful that there is some time every day or most days where you have, even if it's only five or 10 minutes, some training time, some classroom time, the algebra problem time. That's, that, that's very important so that there's a place every single day where the, it is all about the connection between the two of you. All about it, that's it. Okay, now we're in the classroom. I'm gonna be lecturing here. I'm gonna be telling you these things. I'm gonna be showing you what I want. I'm gonna be patiently with reasonable approach, teaching you things. And in the teaching things, I, I want to say this, and a lot of people around me have heard it a lot, take every should out. There is no place should belongs in a teaching situation. No place. Just like if I was to come to your house because you want me to teach you something about a dog thing, and I make some assumptions about you, and I explain something, and I use all kinds of terminology maybe you haven't heard before, because, I mean, come on, you should know this stuff. And then I go at a certain speed that I think somebody your age and position should be able to go because you should, right? And so I go, and it's too fast or it's too slow for you. And I completely lose you because I'm all cut up in my own head and what I think ought to be happening. Oh my goodness, does everyone do this to their dogs? So if you take those shoulds out, if I come to your house to teach you something about a dog thing. And the first thing I do is find out about you and what you know and what vocabulary you have and what your experiences have been and what you think about this. And then I begin to, based on what I have learned about you from you, I take that as my approach to try and help you learn this other new thing that I might be able to help you with, right? It, that, that would be the most effective way to communicate and to teach you something new. But it puts all the responsibility on me and not on you, right? I'm going to find out what the best way to teach you is, and then I'm going to do my best version of doing that. It's the same thing with dogs. When people say, well, they should, that's exactly what we have. They don't know about shoulds. They only know what they know. And when they tell you what they know, and when they show you what they don't know, that's what you act on. So if you're going after anything with the should thing, you're not ultimately going to be effective any more than if you taught somebody else going, well, you should already know this much, so I'm going to go from here. And you just leave them in the desk. Kiss can't teach animals that way. Take the shoulds out. Find out how many times you're thinking about this dog should, right here, be doing this or responding this way or acting this way. Okay, They're not, right? So they're not. Therefore, you have to find a way to educate them about what it is that you would like them to be doing. Really important. So you need this five or ten minutes every day where this stuff occurs, where you learn about this dog and thereby allow that dog to learn about you and how to learn and hold sustained thought and have this connection with you. Sometimes even training not that well. Just putting energy into training together is better than not because at least you have established some kind of connection, which is what you need to train, to perform, to hunt, to exist well together. So just take the shoulds out and teach you have to have that. When, that's where you set up your relationship. and then whatever that relationship is, maintain a consistency with that in the rest of your regular life. You know when you come in the door, Don't let them knock you down or jump on you. No, show them what they need to do. In other words, have this thing between the two of you be the relationship you have all over the place. And then when you do go hunting or you do go to a training session or you do go somewhere that the dog is very, very loves and is very passionate about, you carry that same relationship with you, hold them to it. Just because you're somewhere real exciting doesn't change the connection. And the relationship between the two of you. Really, really important. Now, for the energy thing, that again, everybody, the energy. Oh, my dog has so much energy. I I have a high drive dog. You know, there aren't that many dogs I would call high drive. There's very motivated, very powerful dogs, yes. But the ones where it's really hard for them, really hard for them to do anything but just go at night, they're kind of nuts. Okay, and so now we have some. Uh, mental issues in a dog, which they have, they all have, just like we do. But when you're talking about a dog that just has a lot of mental energy manifesting as a lot of physical energy, the best way, I've said this so many times, to address that is through the algebra problems. Doing an hour of something that is very technical and requires a lot of thought, requires slowing down a little bit requires listening and responding, okay? requires thinking, an hour of that will take more energy out of anything than an hour of running around on the soccer field or running out in the upland field. That's a fact. It's true for me, and I'm an athlete. I do lots of stuff, but I will be a lot tighter when I, I used to teach physics not very long ago in the evenings. Man, just to be prepared for a bunch of physics students took everything I had. I'd rather go run for an hour and a half or two hours. That would be easier than what it took mentally to get onto that stuff. And that's so true of these dogs. So all of you that thinks you need to just run the dog and do the all this crazy stuff, maybe you're avoiding the algebra problems. Because if you sit down and do... And algebra problems with dogs in my world means that they have to sit still. The first time you say it, listen to you, learn what things are, respond to you the first time, not the fifth time you nagged them into it or we just wore them down, that they're thinking about what you're asking, that they're making effort, that you do things that they don't expect. If you're using basic obedience for your algebra problems, then they'll just do the same thing all the time because then you just taught them a dance step and they'll go do that. They don't have to think. Do things that are different and unusual, change your requirements, change how you do it, where you do it, the order of things you do, make it where they have to work hard to think, listen and pay attention and stay connected to you. You wanna take energy out of a dog, I will flat guarantee you, that's the way to do it. When I get the crazies in, and so I've had dogs that literally were crazy, right? I don't go, all right, I'm gonna go get on my bike and take, what I do is I all right dog, We're going to do this little bitty thinking stuff. And it's going to be so hard for you to do. It's going to take all the energy you have to stay on this task. And then when we're done, they are very glad. And they are ready. Not because there was toughness or meanness or any of that. There was just mental demand. And then they're just ready to go back out in the yard or in the kennel and just lay down. I'm good. (laughs) Okay, bro, you know to Come back now. I'm very So they do with all the new little guys. I get new little six month old dogs in all the time, right? Oh man, and they are just puppies and they don't think and they've just had kind of a easy childhood, you know, and they're barking and they're running the fence with everybody and doing all this obnoxious stuff. Especially they like to bark. They love to bark, I want go get me, come get me, not them, come get me. And I was go, Okay, I'll come get you. And then I do. I put on my leash and my dummy collar. And we're gonna learn to heal and sit. Oh, and they're not here for heal and sit. let's go outside and let's go chase a bird or just do something. It's like, no, you're just gonna walk next to me and sit down. And then walk next to me and sit down. And after they find out, oh my gosh, that's what we're doing. I'm gonna and I have to think and I can't and I have to gather myself up and I have to focus. And by the time we're done with our five-minute session, which is all their little minds can take, right? Yeah, quiet. There's the okay, put me back. I'm good. I'm <laughs> good. In about two, three days, we're not barking and yapping to be the one. They're like, okay, go ahead, take them. I'll, I'll wait my turn. Not because it's mean or tough or anything else. It's because I'm going to have to think. Oh. And at first, it's very difficult when they've never been taught to think. Once they have been taught to think and respond and focus and stay connected, then they really like it because there's such a sense of mastery and pleasure and enjoyment of shared uh, algebra problems. It's, and then, then we got a relationship where we're going to be able to learn all kinds of stuff. Uh, like G. You know, geez, woo, she's wild and crazy, loves everything. But boy, when she sees you coming with the leash or the collar or whatever, oh, she's so excited. She's vibrating. She's like, "Kid, hey, I don't even care what we're going to do, but we're going to do it together. And I know how this works. And it's it's just, it, it works. It works really well. And when she gets out of the truck to go upland hunting or running for a jog or whatever it is, she gets out and sits down and goes, okay, hurry, put it on, put it on, put it on. Let's go. When you know if I'd let her she would definitely be a run to the end of the county and back dog because she's got so much mental and physical energy. So that's the uh, <laughs> that's a, a long-winded question to a series of of concerns that people have had about how they can manage their dog in these, you know, wild and crazy situations. the the last thing i'll say on that related to this that was from some commentary from another uh client that i've had who has one of these dogs whose mind um is 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 almost their was almost their enemy because it was so hard to get that mind on things and now the dog is trained uh, to a fairly advanced level but it's still the same mind. It's just that there are neural paths in there now for listening, responding, sitting still, listening to what I say. But the, the the problem that this person had with this dog was then, because I had a very strong relationship. I did the training on this dog. Very was, Things were very understood. Even if he didn't know how, exactly how to do something, like when he started running blind, he still knew that he was going to have to give it effort for me because I've always shown him, you know, you can't just opt out. You've got to stay in there and you've got to give me effort. Even wrong effort is okay if you give me effort. But he had gone home for a little while and had not always given effort and it had worked for him. And for example, he would just start popping on a blind, just sitting, 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 because it was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'll just sit. And then Or he would go out about so far, and then he would just start hunting, going, that's got to be here. I'm not (laughs) going to pay any attention to what you're doing. And so what had happened, and I was discussing this with him, and he was talking about, well, I think he's confused because of this. And I think that I changed the words to use, which that's not really a big fact. And he had all of these uh, excuses and allowances for the dog's behavior. And, okay, this isn't a tough guy thing. This is a a academic thing. It's okay for dogs to do the wrong thing for the right reason, okay? If they're trying to do what they think you're asking, and it's not, you you can't punish that, in my opinion. You, You can't correct that. What you have to do is try to educate them about what the right thing is, but You don't let them continue to do it and go, well, I think they're confused. And even if they are confused, they still have to do it. Just like if you ever get confused driving down the freeway over something, you can't just opt out of driving, right? You've got to continue to drive because bad stuff happens. And so when dogs are doing something and they get confused and they're not sure, you got to help them through it but you don't let them opt out and you don't give up, you don't call them in and you don't start it over and you don't make all these, you have to teach the dog always just give some effort here, man, I'll help you as much as I can, but you've got to be trying to do the right thing. And so make sure that you, when you have these high power dogs and you're doing stuff with them and, and it's not going the way you want, all you have to do. It's just really simplify things in your mind. And let's just use up running a blind, for example. There's a lot of things you could be doing. But we're running a blind and, and the dog is confused and they just froze. They just sat there and they're telling me, I don't know what to do. Okay, you don't give up. You don't call them in. You don't start over because then they'll go out when they get confused, just come running in and go, let's do it again. I don't know what's happening. Right? So they just sometimes on a blind, and like this guy does it, he just freezes. He just freezes and sits there. That's when I go get the dirt clod or the rock and throw it in the direction I need him to go. Something that's not really retrievable, and then give him the cast, and then they go. Right? So I kind of broke that out of that. And and sometimes you got to just get creative in your mind. But I'm not gonna start over or let him do that. I'm gonna change something and change his thinking. And if one thing doesn't work. Do something else. Don't keep doing the thing that's not working. And that had happened a lot with this dog. And so he was, there was like a little bit of a problem. And so I just went, I got him back and I said, All right, we're going to just run a ton of blinds. He runs them with G every day. And she doesn't have any, any like stuff like that because I've just had her, just the two of us. So we have a great relationship. But he'd go out and do one of these opt out things or freeze up things. And it never has worked for him one time. It doesn't mean I'm, I haven't been all hard and tough on him. I just never let it work. I don't care if it takes me a half hour to run this blind, but we're going to do it. And when he senses that sort of tenacity on my end, then he kind of starts to go along. And so now we're getting out of it and starting to kind of run blinds a little bit better again. So when you have these hard charging guys and the, crazy, the little crazy wild ones, and you're doing your algebra problems or you're actually out doing stuff in the field, um don't ever quit don't let them win don't let them opt out you know sometimes you get it there isn't an answer for everything i can't tell everybody what to do in every situation but come up with something to break them out of it high pressure's never it when somebody locks up in their head just like you pounding on you with a hammer isn't probably going to help much and so you just kind of work them through it so uh just a follow up on again these dogs that people think are just real high energy and they just need to run a lot no they need to think a lot and the biggest thing that you can do for them and for your relationship is learn how to teach this dog how to think because ultimately that's what they have to do and the best hunters and performers and pets in the world are dogs that are aware of a situation can adjust to it and can think about what's happening so that's our job as trainers and owners of these guys, just to do that. I hope that's that's useful. That's a ton of a lot of information, uh, you know, and a little bitty thing. But understanding this aspect of your relationship, I think, is, is really critical. So it's Thanksgiving week. I hope everyone listening to this has uh, a safe and meaningful and warm and wonderful uh thanksgiving my first one as a single person in a long time so it's gonna be a little different for me but i wish you all well and i will be back with g in the latest soon